Let's turn to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, we're going to start in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you are a good and gracious God. We thank you for your word, that it is pure, that it is true, that it is inerrant and infallible, Lord, that it gives us um, the way of life, God. It gives us direction on how to live, on how to please you. It shows us, God, what is near to your heart and therefore what should be near to our hearts. And uh, God, I do lift up the Belize team. Thank you for um, the hearts of those willing to go. And, uh, and they're in service right now too, Lord. So bless their church service. And I know someone from our team is sharing. So speak through um, whoever that is. Let your word go forth down in Belize. Continue to make them mighty for whatever you have in store for them. And I pray the same for us, God. Whatever you have in store for us today to do, this week to do, God, that you would um, strengthen us to do it. We do um, continue to seek your face, God, and ask that you would show us more of you, Lord, um, that we would do what your word says and cling to your promise, draw near to God, and you will draw near to us. Lord, we thank you for the time of refreshing with worship. We thank you for the privilege of being able to um, praise you, God. And uh, we thank you, Lord, that you've gifted those among us that can play with their instruments and sing with their voices, Lord, what a a privilege it is um, for them, God, to lead us. And we thank you for their gifting, God. And uh, Lord, go before us now and have your way. Amen. All right, I'm going to share some uh, truths with you today that maybe you have learned before, um, but you need to hear again and be reminded of. The New Testament writers, actually 13 times, they used the word remind um, as they imparted some truth through their letters um, to the church. And it was some truth that they'd already, uh, the church had already received, but the New Testament writers wanted to uh, basically reteach it or remind them of it because they needed to hear it again. So Paul reminds Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God, right? Don't forget to use your gift, Timothy. Paul reminds the Corinthians of the ways of Christ and the gospel he preached. And Peter, if you read Second Peter, a very short book, um, Peter uses it three times to emphasize certain things he wanted the believers to think upon and to have brought to their forefront of their mind for action. Um, we can't take a holiday on this subject of spiritual warfare, Um, If we do, Satan will win. So I'm going to remind you today of some things that need to be brought to the forefront of your mind, um, things that you need to consider, and things you need to act on. Because here's the challenge for believers. The challenge for us is not necessarily to hear the truth, but rather uh, to take the truth, um, whatever we hear, and then apply it to ourselves and live it out. So when we look at doing battle against Satan, when we look at entering the war, 
Um, at the outset, in this passage, there's an, an overarching theme that we must see and we must keep repeating to ourselves. And we have to keep it at the forefront. And here is the overarching theme. Be strong. Be strong. Notice that Paul says in verse 10, finally. So he's wrapping things up. He's already gone five and a half chapters. And he wants to give them some things to do. But he starts out with, be strong. And that will be the thing that overshadows and is in front and is woven throughout these verses here. Um, This command, be strong, is actually in the passive form. And the idea is this, be strengthened. Be strengthened. Why is that important? Because it is God who strengthens you. He is the one who comes and gives you the strength to do battle, to fight, to stand firm. So we need to rely on the Lord. Amen? Uh, Don't rely on yourself. We need to lean on him and not our own understanding. So it starts with the Lord. It always starts with him. Every single time it starts with the Lord. Who are we strengthened by? The Lord. Okay. If we're going to do battle, he's going to be the one that strengthens us. And this really fits in Paul's earlier prayer for the Ephesians. If you look back at chapter 3, you see this. He says in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Okay. That's his prayer for the Ephesians, that they're be strengthened with power through his spirit. Okay, so how are we strengthened by the Lord? How does he do this? With his power. Okay, With his power. Look how it goes. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Two things here. Our position of strength is the Lord. Our position of strength is the Lord. Be strong, it says, in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. That means what? United with Christ. And when you are united with Christ, uh, just a side note here. Um, Normally, when the New Testament uses the word God, it's referring to the Father. And when it uses the term Lord, it's referring to Jesus. Okay. Um, So, when you are united with Christ... Check this out. Everything he has is yours. And a lot of times what we forget when we're talking with people about Jesus and Jesus died on the cross for your sins and and your sins are forgiven, that's true. That's true, right? If people trust in him, their sins are forgiven. Um, So our sins are taken and put on Christ, right? He who knew no sin became sin for us. But there's the second part that is implied, but sometimes we don't necessarily specify, and it's this. So, Christ takes what we have. He takes our sin. But then there's the second part um, where he takes what he has and gives it to us. So, he takes his righteousness, and the fancy word is imputes or imputation. He imputes it to us. Our sin goes on him. His righteousness comes to us. 
Okay, so our position of strength is be strong in the Lord. Why? Because when you are united to Christ, you have what he has. That's why earlier in Ephesians, he's talking about the riches that you have in Christ. The riches. This is why when the Israelites, they go into the promised land, what does God tell them? Don't, don't unite yourselves with those foreign nations, those foreign tribes. Don't be a part of them. Why? Because their identity would start to look like those other tribes. They would start to take on that identity and not have their own unique identity. This is why Paul tells the Corinthians, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Why? You yoke yourself with an unbeliever, your identities are going to start to mesh. Okay? Why is Israel's relationship to the United States so important to Israel today? We're kind of like the big brother standing in the background. So our attitude for the most part with Israel has been like the big brother telling his little brother, you can take care of yourself. You got this one. Right? I mean, for the most part, the U.S. hasn't really helped Israel out um, in terms of any fighting going on. Not recently, for sure. So we're like the big brother. Hey, you got this. You got it. You're fine. Uh, But it's kind of the backdrop and the threat of the big brother in the background that has kind of helped Israel out and kept some of its enemies at bay. So a position of strength can come from those who you are associated with. If I'm getting ready for battle, guess what? I want the best soldiers. I want the best soldiers, the best trained soldiers, and I want to have them on my side. So here, who are you associated with? The Lord. That is the position of your strength. It is rather firmly rooted. But we find something else out here specifically regarding the strength. We find out the source. What is the source? God's power. Notice how he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So we don't want to minimize his power. Do not downplay it. Do not think little of it. It is a mighty power. You want to know how mighty this power is? Paul's already told him earlier. Look back at chapter 1. He's kind of going, he's kind of got this little prayer going on here. We're going to have to pick it up in verse 16. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. This is really what his prayer is for them. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? There's that riches, right? The riches of his glorious inheritance. 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might? That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Okay, this is the same power that Paul just described here. It's actually the same exact wording. Okay, uh, this great might worked in Christ. It is the same power. It is the same might. It is the same strength that raised Christ from the dead. It is the same power, the same strength, the same might that seated Christ at the right hand of God. That is a strong power. Jesus was able to defeat the foe. 
That's what he says, far above all rule, all authority, and power and dominion. It's the same thing that we've been reading over and over in Ephesians 6 with the demonic powers. He defeated them. How? God's power. God's strength. His might. And if Jesus was able to defeat the foe, which is the very foe that we're fighting, and we're united with Jesus, guess what? We can defeat the foe. Not on our own, but because of who we are united with. If he defeated him already, we're united with him, we have his power, we can defeat the enemy. This command sets the tone for all the commands that are going to follow in this passage. Because at the offset, you have to remember continually that it is the Lord who strengthens you. It is the Lord who strengthens you. This calls to mind, remember that word, remind? This should call to mind a number of Old Testament passages. Think of what Joshua was commanded. Let's turn there. Joshua chapter 1. Check out verse 1, chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Okay, And he goes on, and he says a few things to him. We're going to pick it up in verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Again, he says, look, verse 7, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Go down to verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How many times is he told just in this little section here? This is God speaking directly to Joshua. Three times. And if we looked at Deuteronomy, in, the, in a very short section in Deuteronomy, he says the same thing three times. Do you think the Lord was trying to get the message across to him? Be strong. Uh, same thing happens to David. Uh, one of my favorite passages, you can just scratch this down. Actually, just one of my favorite verses in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. In a critical situation, David, it says, found strength in the Lord. He found strength in the Lord. Uh, it's a situation, he's discouraged, his family's been carried away by the Amalekites, and what does he do? He turns to the Lord. In his time of need, in the midst of the battle. I mean, David's fighting for the kingdom, it's not been given to him yet, Saul's still alive, he's chasing him down, and guess what? We get, like, spiritual insight into what David is dealing with. Because we can go to the Psalms and we can actually see some of those Psalms are specifically when David is on the run from Saul. We can see some of those. Uh, Psalm 52, when he's on the run, this is what he says. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name for it is good. Psalm 34, he's on the run. This is what he says. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. 
So in the midst of the battle, David knew where to turn for strength. When God brought home the people from the exile, this is what he told them through Zechariah the prophet. He said, I will make the people strong in the Lord. So your nourishment, your strength, your power, whatever you have, it comes from the Lord. It is not yours. It is his. Whatever you have, it is from the hand of the Lord. So the reliance to do things should not be in yourself. You will fail miserably. Not in your own strength. You, you can't fight spiritual battles on your own. You will fall over. You will be annihilated. You can't do it. Okay? With God on your side, you can do it. So, how do we get his power? How do we get this strength? How is this done? You have to take hold of it. See, God has provided you with all the provision you need to fight. And if you are a believer, you have what you need to fight. Listen, the general doesn't send soldiers into battle that he doesn't prepare them for. He doesn't send soldiers into battle that he's not going to properly equip. But guess what? The soldiers, they have to put on the armor. It would be very silly if the general had each little soldier line up and he was trying to put on his different pieces of armor. If, if, if a person was at that point, um, they're probably not ready for battle. So you have to take hold of it. Uh, you don't have the power in yourself to re- resist, but you have the Lord's strength. It's a mighty strength, and it is yours for the taking. You have to, what's called, appropriate it. You have to appropriate it, which is you have to take what is made available to you and use it. You have the armor, and it's in your closet, and you have to go into the closet, and you have to take out that armor, and you have to start putting it on. That word, put on, so the first word is passive. God is doing it. That's what God wants you to understand. Hey, if you're going to do battle, you're going to have to do it really through me, with me, by me, and for me. But as you are going to do this, and I'm going to one that's going to do it through you, you have to put on. And there it switches, and the idea is put on you, yourself. You put it on. So God's going to strengthen, and guess what? You have to put on the armor. You, 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 you have to put on the armor. It is your job to put on the armor. That's the command for each of you, to put it on. So God's shown you what he's done with his power. He's already shown you that. He's raised Jesus from the dead. We don't need to be, we really don't need anything else. Raised him from the dead, seated at the right hand, that's power. <clears throat> so God provides the armor. Notice that it says, put on the whole armor of God. It is God's armor. He provides it. He gives you the provision. It's as, it's as if he's saying, hey, you're going into battle. Let me prepare you for the battle. Let me give you equipment so you can go in there and do the battle properly. Um, imagine a general coming back from the battlefield. He sees a young soldier, and he's preparing to go out to battle. And he stops him, and the general takes off his own armor, the best armor, and gives it to the young soldier. Whose armor is it? It's the general's armor. That is now to be used by the young soldier. Now, do you think this young soldier has more confidence, knowing he has the general's vest, his helmet, his boots, his outfit, his weapon? Yeah. He's going to feel confident in two ways. One, the general believed it would best serve the young soldier. 
So he takes confidence in the general's belief in him. Hey, the general believes in me, and he wants me to be prepared. But he also knows, the soldier does, that what he is wearing and using is fit for the general. It is the best of the best of armor. So he takes confidence in whose armor it is. Listen, if you try to do battle according to the world, guess what you end up with? Saul's armor. It's clumsy. It doesn't fit you. It's not well suited. God, he gives you David's armor. And when you read that story for the first time, it sounds like foolishness. A few stones and a sling. But guess what? God knew what David needed for battle. And God knows what we need for battle. I mean, imagine if David would have gone out there in Saul's armor. That would have been a slaughter. All right? David wouldn't have made it. You have to do battle God's way and not the world's way. And too many try worldly ways to accomplish what can only be accomplished with spiritual battle. You got marriage problems, raising children problems, work problems. It's a spiritual battle. So here we have the armor that God gives to us. He says, put it on. And notice what we are putting on. The whole armor of God. Look back in Ephesians. Verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God. And then in verse 13, he says it again. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Okay, listen. It's not just enough to go into battle with a shield. It's not just enough to go into battle with a breastplate over your chest. It's not enough to just go into battle just waving a sword around. You have to have the whole armor. Okay? Whatever areas you are missing armor... Listen to me. Whatever areas you are missing armor, you're exposed. You're open for attack. So as we go through the armor and you realize, oh, I'm not very strong there. I'm not very strong there. Uh, Take a moment and write that down. Make a note of it. And then focus on that piece of armor in your own life. Listen, we, we all have weaknesses Um, in our armor. And as those weaknesses are exposed, uh, we we need to do whatever it takes to strengthen that piece of armor. So, you know, we're gearing up here for a spiritual battle. And we need spiritual armor to do this. Look at that first piece. Therefore, take up the whole armor that you may withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. What's the first piece? Stand, stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. It's the belt of truth. It starts with truth. Okay. Paul is, is describing the standard uh, armor of a soldier um, who is going into battle. And Paul spent spent a long time in prison. And some of his imprisonment, he would have been shackled uh, to a guard, to a soldier. Um, And then roughly four hours would pass, 
and, he'd, and, and the shift would change, and he'd get shackled again to somebody else. Um, he had a captive audience. <laughs> and he gave him great opportunity to share, right? And I'm sure some of those soldiers uh, didn't want to take their shift with Paul because I'm sure he shared with them quite a bit. Um, God used it, right? In Philippians, what ends up happening as a result of Paul's captivity? It says the whole Praetorium Guard, right, is hearing the gospel, and people are getting saved. And so what we see is, is oftentimes what God will do is, look, each of us have our own battles to fight, and each of us are in situations that we're dealing with and, and temptations and trials that we're going through. And God knows exactly what, where we're at. I mean, he, he's, he's not uh, ignorant. He knows exactly what's going on. He's allowed it to occur. And he uses those situations for his glory. Satan thought, man, what a great idea. I don't know how it went down, but I'm sure he thought it was a great idea to have the Jews turn against Paul, to get him thrown into prison, and ended up uh, what Satan thought was riding in prison for a few years. What ends up happening? Paul ends up writing a number of New Testament epistles during his imprisonment. Would we have those without his imprisonment? I don't know. But I do know this. God used his imprisonment. And however it turned out, they, apparently at some point, Paul ended up getting a little more freedom because he could have visitors and people come see him. And it was almost like a house arrest type of thing. But, but Satan meant something for evil. God used it for good. So you guys have your own situations going on. And guess what? I have no doubt. Satan means it for evil. And the forces are hard at work against you. They want to take you down. They are hard at work. And we, we need to get our spiritual eyes open. Okay, because some of us are under attack and the arrows are flying. And we, they're, just, they're sticking in us. We don't even realize it. But God wants to take that and use it for good. Look, his desire is to be glorified in his children. He wants to be glorified in each one of you here. And how you walk through whatever you're going through is a testament and a witness to what you believe about God. A testament and a witness. So let's testify well. Whatever Satan's throwing at us, God's allowed it. He's permitted it. We have the strength of God to fight back against that. We are able, it says, to stand, 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 stand firm. That's what Paul says. Okay? So it's a defensive position at times. Most of this armor is actually defensive. We have two offensive weapons. But standing is more of a defensive position. We're ready, we're prepared, and we see the enemy coming, we see the onslaught coming, and we're prepared, and we're going to stand against that attack. Okay? If you're not standing, and you're not standing firm, and you don't have that armor, you're just going to get knocked right over. Have any of you ever been knocked right over before? I have. All right? It's not pretty. It's not fun. But you get back up. Why? Because the righteous stumble seven times. 
and they stand back up. And guess what? It's, it's really God who's, who's standing you back up. He's the one that's lifting you up. He's the one that's dusting you off. So when we're doing it in our own strength, when, our, when we're walking in our own ways, it doesn't go well. But when we have this armor, when we're willing to put it on, when we're willing to realize that God is the strength of it, um, here's the picture. <clears throat> True story. Years ago, I don't know how long ago, probably like 100 years ago, but whenever electricity was kind of first making its way into homes, this, this rich lady in this town was the first one to get it, and her house was like up on a little hill or something like that. So paid all the money to have electricity in her house, and every night people would look at her house expecting to see you know, the, it all lit up and everything, and they could tell that there was candles, candles at night that she was using. And they were like, what in the world? Well, here's the thing. She had access to the power. Right? Literally at her fingertips. Bloop. Access to the power. But she didn't use it. And that's how it is for many of us believers. We have access to the power. We have access to the strength. It is right there. But we don't take hold of it. And we don't use it. And we are thus rendered powerless. And we wonder why we're going through defeat after defeat after defeat. Because we're not doing what the scriptures say. We're not putting on the armor. So we got, we got holes in the armor. And the enemy sees that. He knows where we are weak. Okay, If you are strong... In a particular area, you got a good helmet of salvation on, he's not going to attack the head. If you, if you, got, if you don't even have the helmet on, or it's kind of weak, that, that's where he's going to aim his sights. He's not stupid. He's not foolish. He is wise. He will take aim very carefully. And when he draws back his bow to let an arrow fly, he is going to look at the weakest part of your armor and take aim. And that's where he will fire, and that's where it will hit. That's why it is important for us to put on the whole armor of God. If one piece is missing, that is where the enemy will focus his attack. So as we walk through the armor, again, where you are weak, and listen, each one of us has weaknesses in our armor. As you notice that, as it comes to your attention, then resolve to strengthen that piece of armor. Set out to do it. Realize how you need to do that and get a better piece, if you will. But let it be strengthened. So, we need this armor. And it is God's armor. Friends, the battle, the battle is real. It is very real. And I'm, hoping, I'm hoping as I've been preaching on this that your eyes are being opened to the battle around you. Okay? Because we're so flesh and blood and we can just go through the world. Uh, it's so mundane that we miss it. And our families are under attack. Our society is under attack. Our church is under attack. And we don't even see it. Okay. 
Um, Satan loves to deceive. He loves to deceive. And he loves to make us think things are the way they aren't. Because then he has us tricked. The belt of truth, in part, is right here, right? The truth of Christ, the truth of righteousness, the truth of the scriptures. And if we don't stand firm with this word, if this is not our rock, our, our, our thing that we can stand on, we will be blown right over. If we don't know this, okay, um, I'm, I'm saddened. I don't want to embarrass my college or career students, but, you know, we did a Bible quiz thing a couple weeks ago for fun. But I was very saddened, actually, by the, the, the lack of knowledge that some of them had regarding just basic stories in the Bible. I don't know what you parents are doing in, in getting the word into your, your kids, but you need to be doing something. So I personally have used all sorts of different children's Bible storybooks um, just to make it, it's still the word, but it's said it a little bit different way. Recently, this is just where, where we're at, um, I'm just going through some, some stories and just really reading straight from the word cutting some stuff out that is just lengthy and just wouldn't hold their attention all the way. Um, but, but the word is the word, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament. And there are excellent stories that we can learn, I mean, from the book of Esther. We just got done reading the book of Esther. And before that, we read the book of Ruth. I mean, there are excellent principles and stories you can draw out, and you can ask your kids, like, where do you see God working in this story? How do you see God using different people for his glory? I mean, just reading, reading it. And, um, man, I'll be the first to confess, I should do it a whole lot more. So I'm, don't think I'm, I am not singing my praises at all here. Um, I could do a lot better job. Um, but the point is, we need to be doing it. We need to be training them. Um, Old Testament, New Testament, there's 66 books, all right? That sometimes those, those, those little children Bible storybooks, um, they just don't even hit it all. One of the best ones I have, I don't even know if it even touched on uh, the book of Esther or the book of Ruth. It's unfortunate. That's why I went and did it with my kids. Um, but we've got to have the word in us. I mean, it's got to be, got to be in us, all right? Listen, uh, one or two chapters a day, uh, which is a challenge for many of us, but it really shouldn't be. Because you could read a chapter, depending on what book you're in, in like a minute or two. And sometimes you spend more time making your coffee than that. So, uh, I mean, you put a bag of popcorn in the microwave, you're going to wait two minutes for that thing to pop. You read your Bible right then if you need to. I don't know. Uh, But find some time to do it. Okay? Um, If this isn't coming in, then I can guarantee you what's coming out ain't going to be pretty. It's not for me. So we've got to get into this thing. If we don't know it, uh, we, we will be knocked over. We just will. This is our offensive weapon, as we're going to find out. Okay. So, you, so you can pick this up. You can start, you can start feasting on it. Man, you, you know what? You don't even have to start feasting on it. Just start nibbling on the edges a little bit, all right? Just get into it just a little bit so, so God can start pouring some stuff into you. Right here, the word. 
one or two chapters a day. That's a good place to start. And, and some of us aren't even there. That's, that's probably not a good thing. Um, if it's powerful, if it's God-breathed, if it's for correcting and training and rebuking and righteousness, then, then, then we need it. We need it for us. And I want to see us, me included, I want to see us be, be the warriors that God wants us to be. I mean, he's saying put on the armor. He's saying put on the armor of the soldier, of the warrior. And, and the equipment he describes would not be the equipment of the person who was guarding Paul in prison. The equipment he describes is the soldier who is getting ready to go out into battle and face the enemy. That's what he's describing. Not just the common everyday walking on the streets. No, the one that has the battle coming, the enemy's coming, he's got to prepare. He's got to put on the whole armor. And that's what we need to do. Prepare for the day of battle. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a good God, that you are the one who strengthens us, that we have the power of Christ. And it is a mighty power. God, I pray for us. I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for liberty. Lord, we're, we're called to the battle. We're already in the battle. And I pray for us, God, that we would put on the general's armor. That we would know that our strength should not rest on what we have, what we bring to the table, on what we have in ourselves, Lord, but should rest on you. And forgive us, God, for trying to do it too often in our own strength, in our own might, in our own power. Forgive us for that, God. Lord, I ask that we would stand firm, Lord, on your word, that we would look to you, God, in the times of testing and trial, that we wouldn't shrink back from the day of battle, God. The God who strengthened Joshua, the God who strengthened the exiles returning, the God who strengthened David, you are that same God for us. So, Lord, let us be faithful to put on the full armor. Let us be faithful to stand, Lord. Let us be faithful to look to you in all circumstances, knowing that you are the one that leads, that guides. Help us, God. Humble us. Let us hear from you, Lord. And we love you. Amen.